1: I'm Dr. Joe Beam, founder and chair of Marriage Helper. Marriage Helper is a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the United States, actually based in the great state of Tennessee. Although we work all over the world in various ways, it's a way we try to help people with their marriages, and therefore we're called Marriage Helper. I want to start off with a topic that we uh, introduce on Facebook for people to come to the program for the first few minutes to understand what we're going to talk about. And then we'll open up to calls, and in those calls, we'll take whatever questions you have, no matter what it has to do with, as long as it's about relationships. If you wish to call, you dial 657 383 That's 657 383 And if you call that number because you want to talk with me, then when you hear the answer, press the number one. That puts you into the queue, and then that makes it possible for me to finally get to you to talk to you. Now, be sure to call early because it fills up really rapidly, and a lot of people get in the line there. Now, the topic we said we'd start with this morning, well, or afternoon, based on where in the world you are, is having to do with affairs. And we announced that I would give three reasons to end an affair. Now, understand this. If you or somebody you know is in an affair, an affair would necessitate by definition that at least one person involved in it is married to somebody else. It could be that both of them, of course, are married to somebody else, but at least one. And so when I talk about an affair, I'm not talking about two single people who are sleeping with each other. That's a different topic. I'm talking about where that at least one of these people is married, if not both. And clandestinely, usually, what it means by that, what I mean by that is it's going on behind the back of the spouse. So whether you're the married person or the one sleeping with the married person, we're still going to give you the same same three reasons today. As soon as I learn how to talk, my tongue's getting tangled in everything I'm saying here. Pardon me for that. Okay. The first thing I ask you to consider, if you are thinking about ending an affair, I mean, you may be in an affair right now and thinking, there's no way on earth, Dr. Beam. I'm not about to end this thing. I'm happier than I've ever been. Well, still, I ask that you listen to these three reasons for ending an affair. And if indeed you have vacillated. Or your partner has vacillated. What I mean by that is that he or she is thinking, maybe we shouldn't continue with this. Or you are thinking that same kind of thing. And as I just said, for those who are right in the middle of it and think that this is the best thing that ever happened to me, please think about these three things. Number one, when you live inconsistently with your beliefs and values, you become a different person. Now, the beliefs are those things that you hold to be true. And the values are the way that you expect people to live, to behave, to act based on what you believe to be true. Now, if indeed your belief in value system is that marriage is to be just between two people and that this should last a lifetime, that you've made a vow to each other that it's not just a legal bond, but you've actually committed each other to each other to live for a lifetime then if you are violating that vow, you are living in contradiction to your belief and value system. And if you think, well, that doesn't really mean anything, well, it definitely does. Because when you do that, you are definitely becoming somebody different than what you were. And so if your belief in value system was marriage is an institution that should exist. And when a person commits that we're going to be together for the rest of our lives, we need to do that in sickness and in health in in wealth and in poster- And uh, when you're not wealthy, all those kinds of things, if you believe that to be true, then you know that you're violating your morals, you're violating your beliefs and values, and you have to become somebody else because your beliefs and values are part of your identity. And you understand then that, uh, cheating, whether you're actually cheating on your spouse or you're helping your affair partner cheat on his or her spouse. Cheating is a total lack of integrity. Now, don't get mad that I say that because you know that it is. Integrity is when you do the right thing, even when it doesn't benefit you. Integrity is when you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I remember a guy once a few years ago, he was having an extramarital affair. We were talking about it. We were actually riding around in his vehicle talking because we had been friends for a long period of time. We pulled into a convenience store and went in and he bought a pack of gum and the young lady behind the counter gave him too much change. He got into the car, realized he'd gotten too much change, got up, went back in and gave the money back to the lady and came back and said, I had to do that because integrity demands it. Now he was my dear friend and so I could actually talk to him this way. I looked at him and said, but doesn't integrity also demand that you be faithful to your wife? Doesn't integrity demand that you not be cheating on her with somebody else? And so if you really want to become somebody different than who you are now, if you want to become a person that does not have the high standards of your beliefs and values to live in a certain way of life that you believe is the right thing to do, then go ahead and have the affair, if you will. But it's self-pleasing to the maximum. It's all about you feeling what you want to feel at a given moment without consideration to the other people involved in that marriage. You say other people, I mean, you think there's more than one wife, more than one husband? No. The other people involved in that marriage would be, for example, if you have children. It also can be, for example, the in-laws. There are all kinds of people that are affected by a marriage. Now, that's the first thing. If you're contemplating ending an affair, remember, the sooner you stop doing something that's in contradiction to your belief in value systems, the sooner you can start being you again. Maybe even a better you than you were before because you've learned some things the hard way. Now, a second thing to remember or think about if you're trying to decide whether or not to end an affair is that emotions change, but consequences last. What I mean by that is that typically somebody involved in an affair is saying things like, but you don't understand how this feels. And they're either referring to intense emotions they're feeling toward the affair partner or the intensity of the sexual union itself. I had a younger guy, he was early 30s, telling me about he was having an affair with a woman who was in her 50s and how it was the most phenomenal sex he'd ever experienced in his life. And he was telling me, I, I will give up my marriage. I will give up my children so that I can feel this intense emotion. It's going to be amazing. It's amazing now. It's going to be amazing for years to come. I'll swap whatever I need to. I'll trade in whatever I need to to have this. My point to him was it's not going to be. You see, if you look at the deep emotional intensity of an affair, there's actually research about that out there, and on average, it can last somewhere between three months and 48 months, and 48 months is the extreme. Most of them are going to last less than two years, and so that deep, intense emotion that you feel is not always going to be there. Oh, and if you're saying, but the sexual pleasure is amazing, it's going to stop too, or at least it's going to decrease dramatically. There's a thing called sexual habituation. Any two people that are making love to each other over a period of time will eventually lose the ardor. What I mean by that is that sex doesn't necessarily go away. Hopefully it doesn't in a good marriage, for example. But it gets to the point where it doesn't have the same intensity it has now. It can become more mundane. And so if you think, well, I'm going to keep doing this because of the intense emotions I feel, whether they're emotional or sexual, I'm telling you that it's going to stop. And if you're looking at me saying, you don't know what you're talking about, unfortunately, I really do. Not just from experiences in my own life, not just from the thousands of couples that we've helped and with their marriages and their situations, but also from reading research after research after research project It's going to stop. But the consequences don't. You say, what does that mean? Well, that's the third thing to think about. There are always consequences for behaviors. We often tell people, well, you ought to think 10, 10, 10. How are you going to feel about this in 10 days, 10 months, and 10 years? Actually, that was a book by Susie Wills that talked about that. And the consequences will not just be for you, but it'll also be for all those others involved in the marriage that I've already mentioned. It's interesting that in one of our... Um, things that we do with couples, we ask a question and ask people, individuals, to answer the question if they will. And it's like, bring something from your childhood that represents the emotions of your childhood, and then explain what those emotions were. It's fascinating how many adults who are in classes with us that we ask that question will start talking about different things from their childhood and how many of them actually bring up their parents' divorce. About this particular item reminds me of my parents' divorce. If I were to bring a Jack Daniels bottle, for example, or if I were to bring the telephone, whatever it might be, this reminds me of my parents' divorce. And then they start talking about how painful it was and how it still affects them to this day. You see, people used to say, well, you shouldn't sit together for the children. Then they realized how selfish that sounded like. You're just discarding the children altogether. You don't care what they think. You don't care what they feel. And so then they modified it to, well, it's actually better for the children. That just isn't true. Now, are there rare situations where it's better for the children? The answer is yes. I mean, if they're in jeopardy, if they're in danger, then getting away from the person causing that danger makes all the sense in the world. But generally speaking, the greatest fear that kids have is losing a parent. And so, therefore, if you continue in this affair and the consequence winds up that your children find out about it, even if you stay together, they're going to be affected by it. Or if indeed your spouse divorces you because of it, or if it's your lover that's a married one, his or her spouse divorces that person because of this, then it's going to be an effect on him, on you, on the children, on everybody. Oh, yes. And don't forget that on you, whether you're the married one or not. It's definitely going to affect your future in years and years to come. I can't tell you the number of people I've run into who said, I wish somehow I could get all that back. I wish I could do it differently now. Why? Well, I became somebody I didn't want to be. Why? Because those intense emotions that I experienced finally went away, but the consequences didn't go away. And now I'm reaping what I've sown. Now, you can call that karma karma. You can say what goes around comes around. And the reason those kind of phrases exist is because throughout humanity, our experience has been that you pretty much do reap what you sow, what you put out there is what comes back to you. And so if you through a lack of integrity are violating beliefs and values, you through a lack of integrity are thinking about what you feel and not thinking about your husband, your wife, your children, the damage that's being done to them. Then what do you expect to come back to you someday? Oh, and it's not just consequences in your life. What consequences do you expect to come into the lives of your children someday? Because you see, there's research about that. That if indeed you want to divorced because of this, for example, your kids are much more likely to get divorced themselves. They'll have a different view of marriage than kids that grew up in homes that were together and solid. So it's always your decision you make up your mind about what you do. But those are three reasons to end an affair. Now, next Monday, I'll talk about three ways you can end an affair because it's not always easy to do, particularly when emotions are involved. But if you're seeing that it's valid for your future, for the future of your spouse, for the future of your children, if you have them, for the future of the person that you've been having the affair with, if you're not a married one and your own future, if you are single involved with a married person, if you want to end it, well, next week, we'll give you three ways to do that. It's time now to start going to our phones. Let me see if I can make these things work. And we'll spend the rest of our time taking phone calls from people who, let's see. All right, here we go. We're going to go to Anthony in the great state of Texas. Hi, Anthony. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you.
1: Great. How may I help you today, my friend?
0: Well, um, this is kind of a little bit off topic i missed the last conversation from last week but it's you know it's kind of related to what we're talking about um my wife is currently in an affair and we all aware of it and uh it's been going on for like two months and um mm-hmm. so i'm trying to, i think i'm trying to fight uh evil with good you know i'm trying to sell myself present at the beginning i was with so much hatred and anger and, and you know and the only things that we were talking about was about kids and that mm-hmm. was it but now, you know, I come to realization, you know, that I am still want to fight for this marriage. I still want to go mm-hmm. through, I still want to move forward in this situation. So mm-hmm. I'm becoming myself and open the lines of communication. So my question is, you know, I started sending your test, you know, on the lines of good morning. Hey, you know, I'm praying for you. Um, hope you have a blessed day. Or good morning. How are the kids? I love you. And things like that mm-hmm. nature. Uh, I'm not in the begging or pushy behavior like, Oh, please come to me, I miss you, what are you doing? None of that. But just
1: but to tell stay me, myself aggressive. Okay, and how does how does she react to it? What kind of reaction do you get when you yeah. send
0: well, those things? And that's and that's the thing. She sometimes reacts she sometimes say like, Okay, thank you, or thank you, but never in a negative way. Never or sometimes she doesn't. She just don't don't respond at all. And you know, and mm-hmm. I just continue and so I don't know if she's if, if this is if this is good if this is actually creating an impact on her if this is if making myself present on this situation will mm-hmm. will you know will beneficial in this in this she's living a limerence, um relationship with this dude I mean this is this is completely mm-hmm. like a soap opera but um but I right. guess I don't want to just well, keep the only up, way you know, can know, do the
1: only way you can know whether it's beneficial or not is if she tells you. You see, we talk about a thing called smart contact. Now, I'm going to explain very briefly what that means, Anthony. It means that just be smart about the interaction you have with the other person. If you're doing things to which the other person's responding favorably, then fine, keep doing them. If you're doing things to which the other person responds negatively, then those are not good things to do. So if you're sending these texts and occasionally she responds, and did I understand you to say that that her responses are a little bit positive? And then sometimes no response at all? Or did I hear that wrong?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's correct.
1: Okay. Then, Then if she's responding, at least to some degree positively, fine. But here's what I recommend that you pay really close attention to, my friend. If at any point she becomes negative, like, I wish you didn't send me something every day, then I would stop doing it if it were I. Because of the fact that you don't want to do anything that's evoking an emotion within her that's negative, only those things that are positive. Now, I also heard you say, did I hear you say that she's living with the other guy? Is that what you said?
0: No, she's um, no. she's not living with the other guy. She's living a uh, limerence. That's what I'm trying to say, like a limerence of uh, love. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. But she's not living with you?
0: No, no, we're separated. Yeah, we're being separated.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, then it sounds like it's a, okay to do those things as long as she doesn't react negatively, but pay very, very, close attention, my friend, because if she does, then I would suggest that you change way you communicate with her. By the way, our producers and uh, everybody in the, uh, Studio here wants to, me to tell you that we had a winner last week. We did our 50th episode of Marriage Help Our Live last week and we said that uh, for people that would uh, come online and fill out a certain form or whatever it was, I'm not sure what the criteria was, we would choose one person that would get a free online Save My Marriage course. And so we went through there. I was not part of that. I don't know exactly how it was done. But, but we uh, the name Emily from Canada Emily, you won that free online Save My Marriage course, and you'll be hearing from us right away. You'll be getting an email about how to get there, how to enroll in it, all those kinds of things. But at no cost to you, my friend, you are the winner of that 50th uh, episode. So let's go on now here. We're going to go to, well, we're going to still stay in the state of Texas, if I can make this work. Okay. Hi, Sarah. Can you hear me? Sarah? Yes, I can. Okay. How may I help you today?
2: Okay. So I just got out of a six-month high-conflict divorce with children, and uh, me and my husband realized we both want to reconcile, and we're in couples counseling, but um, he's denying that he ever did anything wrong. He's basically denying he's had an emotional affair, and but he still wants me to tell him what I need him to do, but should I believe him if he's not even being honest?
1: How do you know that he's not being honest?
2: Because he's denying everything, even things he said before that were, and you know, admitting that he did something and that the other girl likes him and has, you know, been after him.
1: Okay. And so you have, um, uh... His words, his own language. He's the one that told you that he was involved with the other woman. Is that correct?
2: He admitted that she likes him, and I Mm -hmm. see things, you know, um, from us hanging out because it's a a relative's wife. And basically, he always mistreats me um, around her and after she leaves, and uh, it led to some very serious things, yeah.
1: Is she still involved, and is she still around?
2: Yeah, we're still separate. We're not living together yet. We still haven't made that jump, but uh, he moved Mm -hmm. closer to her.
1: Okay. So he's saying he wants to reconcile with you, but he moved so he could be closer in locality to her. Now, is that move?
2: Yeah, she's married with, with children as well.
1: Okay. And so are you... Do you know for a fact that he moved closer to her to be closer to her, or is there any other factor that could have been involved in that decision to make that move?
2: Uh, There are other factors.
1: Okay, and so he's saying to you that he does not have an emotional connection to her. Right. Okay, now you say you don't believe him, yet... I guess I guess what I'm trying to find out this. You don't believe him because because of things he said earlier. But did he ever say that he was emotionally on his side connected to her?
2: No, he's never admitted it.
1: Okay, and so As you're basing this the, primarily on, on the party. way he treats you. So you're basing this based on the way uh, and, and he, he treats you when he's around.
2: Her and, 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 and in indirect admissions, like he's told okay. me she's a better wife in in the middle of like a of a random blow up and he's always wanting to spend time with her and uh, at her house instead of going out with me. Like it, there's a lot of things. And he actually divorced me over her as well because I quote unquote doubted him.
1: Hmm. And
2: I was kind of keeping him away from her.
1: Okay. So here's my question. Are you willing to, con- to continue in the potential reconciliation if he doesn't uh, get Honest, in the way you phrase it, about what he feels toward her.
2: Yes, as long as it, you know, progress, you know, actually starts to end. I know it doesn't happen overnight, but as long as mm-hmm. it does gradually end.
1: Okay, it's like well, a limerence. It, it could be. I mean, it obviously could be. Here's a couple of things I recommend. When he denies that, denies that he's emotionally connected with her, understand that from his perspective, he may be telling the truth. Let me explain what I mean by that. Even if he is emotionally connected to her, if he's not admitting it to himself, in other words, it's there, it exists, and you see demonstrations of it, but he himself is not willing to admit it to himself. If that's the case, then he would say to you know, and he would be telling the truth Based on his perspective, like if he won't admit it to himself, then he's not going to admit it to anybody else. On the other hand, when you talk about emotional connection, there's a possibility that how he is measuring that is different from how you're measuring that. And so from your standpoint, the way you think about an emotional connection, you're thinking, yeah, you're doing it. But maybe, and I'm saying is the case, I'm giving you possibilities. There's a possibility that the way he measures it in his head, he's not really emotionally connected to her. Not meaning that he isn't, but that he vi- he visualizes that or sees that differently. So the real point comes down to the question I just asked. And what I heard you say was this. You said, well, if he will reduce his interaction with her. In other words, if, if she goes out of the picture, then you are willing to reconcile. That's what I heard you say. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Is he clear on that? Have you explained that so that he really understands what that means?
2: Yes, that's all I've been saying, but I think he's also trying to say that because he's a relative's wife, that there are going to be instances where we still see her, like weddings and whatnot, and um, he Mm -hmm. just says those are out of his control.
1: And those kind of things may be out of his control, but that's not what I hear you talking about. It's not whether or not you bump into each other at a wedding. What I'm hearing you say is that you want it very evidently clear that you are the woman in his life, the woman he wants to be with, and not anybody else, specifically and including her. Is that right?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. And so if the two of you can somehow figure out how to do that, how to measure that, where, okay, yes, we may bump into our wedding, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am the person that you want to be with. I'm the person that you love. Now, it might be very difficult to be able to identify that, But unless you do, then it's going to always be a point of you're saying, well, you violated it. And him saying I didn't violate it until you can find some definitive way to describe it. Like, okay, let's write down this. If you have contact with her other than if we accidentally bump into her, I'm going to see that as negative. If you in other words, you can write a few things like that. And then come to a conclusion, and this is what I need from you. It has to do with what we call stops and cores. Stops are those things that safeguards that offer protection. In other words, that emotionally protect you. And then cores are continuing our relationship essentials, that this is what I need from you. Now, the problem is on a brief phone call like this, I can't really help you do that. Uh, Uh, Forgive me for sounding like a commercial, but what you may want to consider is calling our office and asking about working with one of our uh, coaches. A coach could help you think these things through and write these things down because what's really important, Sarah, is that you don't make it so restrictive that it becomes impossible for him. And so it's, it's kind of an art to it. It's more of an art than a science about how do we set these these chords and these stops. And if you can get those clear, clear enough at least so that you can feel safe, emotionally safe, that I'm the woman he wants to be with, this is what he's focusing on, it's not her anymore, that she's out of the emotional picture. There's a way to do that, it's just I don't know how to tell you how to do that in the short conversation like this on the phone, on the the air here, but you can do that if you contact one of our coaches, and they can help you figure that out. Now, if you don't want to coach, if you don't want to coach one of our coaches, you might want to consider a counselor. If you choose a counselor where you live, make sure that he or she is pro-marriage. Make sure that he or she is not going to do something that makes you wind up setting criteria and, and, and you know, stops and cores that he can't do. Because if that happens, you're not going to put it back together. And then we're going to move over here to California to Sandy. Hi, Sandy. How may we help you today?
3: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: Uh, stressed out.
1: <laughs> I'm so um, sorry.
3: Thank you Mike. Uh question is well actually my husband has been having uh he's had four affairs since March and you moved been with with different, different women. women. I yes. I found okay. out that I found out about two and then he confessed that there was four. We went okay. to counseling. We went to a faith-based therapist together. He okay. said he wanted to work it out. While Mm -hmm. we were working it out, he lied and said that he'd stopped seeing all of them, but yet every day he was going and living with the 22-year-old who's in Mm -hmm. college. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I found out that he was lying, and uh, he still continues to live with her since uh, June. He moved out. We have two kids, and it's been, like, really hard.
1: (laughs) How old are your kids? Thirteen and ten. Okay. And your, your husband living with a 22 year old, he is how old?
3: 44.
1: Okay. Did, did anything happen Sandy relatively quickly or soon before he started this behavior? You said he started this behavior in March. Has anything happened since like maybe, okay, what what happened before he started doing these things?
3: Um, No, actually, no, no, nothing really happened. It's just, um, we had a lot of disagreements about disciplining mm-hmm. the kids. He thought mm-hmm. differently. I wanted, you know, he was very passive, and I was the disciplinarian.
1: Okay. You know, right. I, I'm asking I would things put boundaries. Like, did he uh, go to any, kind of any kind of job change? Did anybody close to him die? It, was no. there any life event? Nothing like that?
3: No, nothing.
1: Okay. So, When we start looking at this and you say that suddenly, starting in March, he starts doing something that apparently was very contradictory to who he had been before. Is there no way to figure out what the trigger might have been? What made the change occur? I mean, was there any event of any kind that likely or at least possibly could have spun him off in a a different direction?
3: Maybe we were becoming more distant. Uh, Maybe arguing more and he had okay. had an affair 14 years
1: ago. Okay. All right, so there's no life event that we can place our finger on here. All right. No. So the other the other women, not the 22-year-old. What ages were the other women?
3: I just know of one. She's she was 44.
1: Okay, so one was his age. Mm-hmm. And if I may ask, how did he meet this 22-year-old? Um the
3: the 20 oh it's ridiculous. He tells me, I don't know to believe it or not, at a bus stop.
1: At a bus stop. So your husband yeah, regularly he doesn't, rides the he, bus? he
3: drives. No, he doesn't take the bus. That's what was so odd.
1: Okay. So if he met her at a bus stop, he was doing something that was a little unusual in his behavior. I mean, he yes. typically would not be at a bus stop. Okay. No. As, as far as you know, that they have any other connection in any other way? Like, did she That's work a, at the same place? Did they go to the same gym? Anything like that no,
3: that you know of? She, no, she's in college, I found out. She goes okay. to college uh, where where he's living now.
1: Okay. All right. Okay, so I think I've got the picture. So help me understand, What what question do you have that maybe I can help you with?
3: My question is, is he ever going to come to the realization that what he's doing is not healthy and he's breaking his family apart? Is he ever, well, He has no remorse or regret at, at this time, and he everybody knows it. My whole family knows what he's doing. His family knows uh, they confronted him, and he just doesn't mm-hmm. care.
1: Okay, and how long has this I don't care attitude existed?
3: Since June.
1: Okay. So, like, if we go back to January, February, March, he wasn't acting like that? No. Okay. All right. In answer to your question, I don't know. I can't tell you if he ever will come to his senses or not. I'm telling you that it sure sounds like... Now, I'm I'm talking about just what it sounds like. It sounds Mm -hmm. like that something has occurred that apparently you aren't aware of. That something occurred that made a change in him. Because we have a guy well, 14 years ago he had an affair, that's bad, but but has been living a relatively stable life and that the, uh, the difficulty in relationship with you is that you're the disciplinarian and he's passive. Sometimes that can set up some real problems because if one spouse is really very strong and the other spouse is really much more laid back, sometimes the strong spouse can run over the laid back spouse without even realizing the effect that they're having on that person. But even then... Even then, if that were the case, if it's a situation where it was like, uh, I feel run over, I feel like I'm being dominated or controlled, which is a possibility because you're strong-willed and he's laid back. So that's one possibility. But even then, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that all of a sudden, I mean, like out of nowhere, he starts in March having affairs and he has four, boom, 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 which means that some kind of decision in his mind was made, whether he consciously made it or just evolved into it. He made some kind of decision. Now, I really am curious as to why it started then. But again, I'm not going to ask you any more about that because you don't know. So here's the solution as best I can tell you, my friend. Number one is understand that passive laid back people can feel very controlled and dominated when they're married to a strong person and you're a strong person. So you need to be very much aware of that. Okay. In his belief and value system, in his belief and value system that he's had for most of his adult life, would he have thought of adultery as being wrong? Yes. Okay. And so he has changed his belief in value system relatively quickly, right?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, something's in there. I can't tell you what it is. I don't know. And, and will he come to his senses? Will he have remorse? If indeed he comes back to his beliefs and values, if he returns back to what he believed before, that adultery is wrong, you shouldn't be doing this, then in that case, yes, he will regret what he did and will be sorry for doing it. If he does not come back to his belief and value system, then that's not going to happen, and I can't tell you whether or not he will. I would recommend that that you consider the possibility of getting into our online course, our Save the Marriage course. I don't know if it's open right now or not, but I think it's about to be open in the next few weeks. And I'll give our telephone number again here at at the office. And if you can call and check on that, because it's designed for the one person who's wanting to save the marriage when the other person is not. And so if you call 866-903-0990, that's eight six six nine zero three zero nine nine zero, 903 990 you can ask about that online course. In the meantime, in the meantime, I recommend try not to panic and really try to begin to understand how your personality affects his so that if the door gets opened again, that you don't wind up back in the same place again. Oh, and if in the meantime, you find out about something that happened, like his best friend died or whatever, something that was a precipitating factor, or trigger. I'd be curious to know about that. And now we're going to Marilyn and we're going to Sharon. Hi, Sharon. How are you today?
4: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am rocking and bopping, uh, except for the fact <laughs> when we first started the program today, I, might, I kept tripping over my tongue. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm okay. <laughs> How may I help you today?
4: I've uh, just gone through my fourth divorce.
1: Hmm. Uh
4: I call him Peter Pan because he's never satisfied and doesn't mm-hmm. want to grow up.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, after he left, he left me for a cabin. He wanted his own cabin, and he told me he was leaving on my birthday uh few mm-hmm. years ago. I'm sorry. Um, we're friends, but I think uh, he wants to use me.
1: Um, What does does that mean, Sharon?
4: uh, Just to be there for when he needs companionship. Okay. Uh, I ask him why he never considers the consequences of his actions, like the hurt Mm -hmm. that he inflicts. And Mm -hmm. he said, well, I didn't want you, but I didn't want anybody else to have you. So Hmm. I keep getting those kinds type of hurtful messages. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to be hurt anymore.
1: Oh, I don't blame you for that. If I may ask, how old is this fellow?
4: Uh, We are seniors. 69 and I'm uh, 71.
1: Okay. And who divorced whom?
4: He left me and I pushed the issue for him to decide what he wanted, and I mm-hmm. gave him the paperwork, and I said, if you want a divorce, you take care of it. He was at the courthouse the next day.
1: Okay, but you had gone ahead and done all the paperwork ahead of time for that, to occur, correct?
4: I did. I did. I, okay. I couldn't take it uh, languishing anymore.
1: Okay, and do you want to put this marriage back together?
4: Uh I don't think we can. He's got his cabin now. I had mm-hmm. my own house which mm-hmm. he used to live in.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, we're we're pretty much settled now in our senior years.
1: Okay. So what how is it that I can help you?
4: How do I prevent myself from being hurt? Uh it, should I cut it off entirely?
1: Uh, if, if indeed you are happy as you are, in other words, you you know you're old enough to say I don't necessarily need another companion, and I'm going to be fine without a companion, then you obviously have the right to make that choice. You already are divorced. If your interactions with him are causing you pain, it's simple enough to stop the interactions. If, on the other hand, you're thinking, well, maybe we could put this back together, that's a different story. But I just heard you say I don't think we can. Well, if that's the- if you don't think you can, at your age and his age, if you don't want to be hurt anymore, you can cut off all contact if that's what you wish to do. Is that what you really want to do?
4: I um, uh, I missed the connection.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. I,
4: I missed the connection. Well, I want to be
3: loved.
1: I don't blame you. I don't want you to blame you for wanting to be loved. If you want to be loved then understand that every relationship is a risk. You know that you said you've been through four divorces. So every relationship is a risk, but maybe my friend, maybe Sharon, what you do is that you kind of lower the bar a little bit. Now listen to me carefully. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying here. Don't expect him to be perfect because he won't be. It's not a possibility. Nobody can, but if you want companionship, if if you want to feel loved, And having those kind of conversations with him is certainly worthwhile to do. And you say he's living up in this cabin. I'm living here. I was reading a study the other day. Now, I know that you're not a statistic, but I was reading a study the other day that seniors who get married typically have better marriages if they don't live together. In other words, if you get married as a senior, if you get married at your age. That because you have your own lifestyle and the things that you do in your house and he has his cabin and things that he does, that that often couples in that scenario actually do better to be with each other, not every day. They still live apart, but they're together and and they talk together on the phone. They interact with each other by email, whatever. They spend time together, but still have their independent identities, which is part of what happens which is a part of what happens when you become a senior now to like Alice and me, Alice and I, uh, we've been married for over 50 years. And so it wouldn't work for us to want to live apart because we're, we are part of each other where we've been living together for most of the 50 years. There was a little sabbatical back in the middle back there, but for a situation like yours, then you may want to consider the possibility of let's talk about putting it back together, but still living apart. But, interacting with each other so that we do feel loved and we do have companionship it might be something you might want to look into and then we're moving over to California to Kayla hi Kayla how are you today
6: hi hi I'm doing good how are you
1: rocking and rocking
6: good (laughs) Um, my question is uh, okay can I give a little context first if that's okay
1: okay just quickly if you don't mind
6: of course Um, I'm married to my husband. We've been together for almost six years, but we've, we've been married for two of those years. He got Mm -hmm. deployed and during the past six months, he was in Afghanistan. Um, in September, he told me he didn't love me. And that's when we kind of first started having a little bit of hiccups, but it was just kind of like, he said he was willing to work on it. And then when he got Mm -hmm. back this October, he said that, um, he had met somebody there for the past four months. And that he's now in love with this girl and that she is his soulmate. Um, Mm -hmm. He lives at home with me and he has been, uh, he told, he like, he came in and he interacted in sex the first day he got back. And then ever since then, a couple of days, he's been still wanting to have sex with me. And, um, Mm -hmm. but telling me that he doesn't see any hope for us. Uh, At the same time, whenever Mm -hmm. he takes calls from her, he comes back in and he's, he seems remorseful and he tries to do something kind for me um Mm -hmm. but i just want to know if i should continue to have sex with him i've told him that like i said for me like if you he said he's never had sex with her it was just like a texting and just talking with each Mm -hmm. other um Mm -hmm. i said to him like whenever he initiates sex because it's always him initiating it it's not me Uh, i told him that for me it's our marriage bed and i think it's sacred and i enjoy having Mm -hmm. sex I i think it brings pleasure to god so um, what should I do? Should I continue that even though he he keeps in like in front of me taking phone like he'll be I'm going to go take a phone call in the car or things like that. Hmm. You know, I don't know if I should if I'm being hmm. p- over just pushed over. I don't know.
1: OK, let me ask a couple of questions about may. How old are you, too?
6: Um, I'm 24 and he's also 24. And then we both we're we're only about a month apart.
1: Okay. And you said that you've been together six years. So that means when you were 18, when you first got together, is that correct?
6: Yeah, he was 18 and I had just turned 19.
1: Okay. All right. Now, uh, I'm I'm be very careful. I ask this question when you do make love to each other, is it really that? Is it making love or is it just sex?
6: Um, I think the first time it was definitely like I could sense that he wasn't really into it. Um, but ever, ever since, as it's grown to the point where it is now, um, I do feel like he's much more kind during sex and also very, like for me, it's very satisfying. Um, he did say one thing to me where he said, Oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry.
1: Well, is he emotionally involved in it? Not just physically, but emotionally involved in it.
6: I, I think that he was emotionally involved in only the the last time we just had sex. I don't think that he was emotionally involved in all the other ones. Also, after we get, like, after we finish, he'll be, like, he'll, like, beat himself up. He'll say, like, oh, I, you know, you're really attractive, and, like, I, I wanted to do this with you, but I, that he feels, like, I feel like he thinks I'm the other woman, and that he's trying to be faithful to this new person, you know?
1: That's actually and, like, a possibility. And I'm just, like, a left. That is a possibility. Yeah. So the, the So the last time, though, you felt he was emotionally involved, for example, and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not, be careful about how I ask questions here, but does he kiss you?
6: Um, this last time, yeah, he was before he wouldn't kiss me. It was just, it would mm-hmm. just be sex. But the last time it was, we would kiss and he was like, Oh, like my, like my legs got tired. he'd be like, Oh, like chill out for a second. Like it he was much more kind and much more considerate. And also we okay. did
1: kiss. So I don't know. Okay, All right. A couple of things here. I'm give you a, a couple of pros and cons. And if you want more, if you go to our YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash marriage helper. Mm-hmm. It's all free there. And, and I actually did a video that's longer than what I'll be able to answer right now about the pros and cons of having sex in a situation like this. And I suggest you go find that video and you watch it. Uh, it's about 10 or 15 minutes long, somewhere in there, I think. But right now, let me give you a short answer. Here are the pros.
0: Okay.
1: The pros are that when uh, a human being, male or female, when they culminate, when they reach organism, orgasm, when they're making love, it... Uh, oxytocin is a chemical that's produced and goes into the bloodstream as a hormone and also into the autonomic nervous system. Oxytocin is an extremely strong bonding chemical. Therefore, when you say over the time, altogether, how many times would you say you've made love since he's been back?
6: Probably since he's been back, we've probably had sex like 10 times.
1: 20, is that what um, you said?
6: No, 10 <laughs>
1: Maybe nine,
6: nine or ten times.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, the exact number is not that important, but uh, the principle. (laughs) What it sounds like to me, the fact that this last time it was more romantic and he was kissing you. You see, a person can have sex without emotionally getting involved, but it's extremely difficult for a person to kiss without being emotionally involved. And, and I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done or it can be done. I'm just saying it's very difficult to kiss and not be emotionally involved. So the, it sounds as if he is growing toward you, that that this oxytocin that's being released when he uh, reaches climax is actually bonding him more to you. That's what it sounds like to me. And if uh-huh. indeed you're being satisfied, which you said you are, you see, you're not yeah. being used. You're not being used as long as you're willingly participating. If if you were not willingly participating, then I'd say, yeah, you need to back off because you're definitely being used. But what I heard you say is that you're enjoying it as well. Now, might it be that in his mind you're the other woman, that's That's very possible. possible. But the good news is he's with you. And in the fact that he's with you and he's making love to you, he's connecting (laughs) to you, it's evolving. It sounds like in a very good direction. All these are a lot of very positive things. I'm happy that okay. he did not get involved with her physically. That's good. If you, yeah. I guess here's, here's the short answer, my friend. It's your decision. But as a sexologist, I would suggest that you continue to do so because it's having a good benefit. As a marriage okay. expert, I would suggest you probably will continue to benefit if you keep doing this. But if at any point, okay. at any point you start feeling you, you can just tell him. Hey, I feel like I'm being used. I don't want to do this anymore. But you know, there's great patience yeah. and there's great value, I should say, great value in patience. It sounds to me like you're doing the right kinds of things and you're going in the right direction. Now, I cannot guarantee that, but it sure sounds that way to me. And, and okay. if I were in your shoes, I would keep doing that if I were you. But it's your decision. Obviously. Okay.
6: No, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I appreciate you. And and I felt like that. I just kind of needed a little bit of extra clarity, so I appreciate it.
1: I get it. You're very welcome, Kelly. You take care of yourself. Okay. You too. And I think I think I heard a baby in the background there. And uh, if if uh, a woman's not completely exhausted, maybe having a baby and still willing to make love, that's a really good thing, because physical fatigue, especially with women, and it occurs with men as well. But if but particularly and specifically with men in physical fatigue can make it extremely difficult for the woman to become adequately aroused. So when I hear that baby and she's still anxious to make love with her husband or enjoying it and say, go for it. And I hope that it works out to your advantage. I really, really do. Here's what I'd like to hear from you later though. I want you to call me back at some point if you put it back together and tell me, or if it doesn't go back together, I'd appreciate you calling back and telling me, I really, really want to know. I'm very curious about this situation. And so now let's go to Washington and we'll talk to Samantha. Hi, Samantha. How are you today?
5: Hi, I've been better.
1: I am Um, so sorry, my friend. About
5: about a year ago, um, my husband came to me when I was still pregnant with our third child. And he said that he had no feelings for me anymore at all. And ever since then, I have been working on myself, been working on marriage, trying to get him to engage. And in February of last year, he cheated on me with a woman Mm -hmm. he works with. I'm so sorry. And he was very, very emotionally attached to her. Mm -hmm. And he said now that he has broken that off and that he wants Mm -hmm. to be in this marriage for the kids, but he made it very mm-hmm. clear to me that he's only here for the kids. He says that he mm-hmm. still feels nothing for me and that mm-hmm. he won't ever again feel anything for me. He refuses to get help.
0: Mm-hmm. He refuses
5: to go to counseling. I've tried to get him to call you guys, and he won't do it. And I just don't know how much longer I can stay like this with yeah. him refusing to hug me, touch me, look at me.
1: I am so, so sorry, Samantha. This has got to be greatly painful to you. If I may ask, how old are you?
5: I'm 34.
1: Okay, is he of similar age? He's
5: 36.
1: Okay, close. The fact that he says that he doesn't feel anything toward you and that he never will feel anything toward you is not necessarily true. I mean, it may be that as of today he doesn't, but you said he'd been involved with another woman, and it's not unusual that if a person, man or woman, is involved with somebody else, that if they make a decision to come back to the marriage, it's not unusual that the outset they feel little to no emotion toward the spouse. As a matter of fact, sometimes they actually feel a little anger toward the spouse, resentment. Because of the fact that you even exist. But the fact that he's made a decision, I want to come back for the marriage. I'm going to do this. It's for the sake of the children. It's not you. But I'm going to do this actually is a step in the right direction. Because emotions change. They do. They don't say the same always. And if indeed.
5: That there's nothing that he can do. That there's nobody that can help him. And he is just going to feel this way forever.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's what he thinks. I'm sure that's what he believes. I'm not saying that he's lying. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily true. He he believes it to be true. I'm not I'm not denying that. But I'm saying if you look at it from an objective, outside-looking-in kind of view, that's not necessarily true. Things can happen. Things can change. But really what matters right now is you. you've got to make a decision as to whether or not you want to continue to live like this. Now, you can you're actually much more in control than you think you are. Okay. I realize that a person in your situation often will be thinking, I've got to be very careful what I do, very careful what I say. If I ask too much if I demand too much, then he's just going to turn and leave because he already says he doesn't love me. But if you, if you live that way, like you're walking a tight rope and that you're afraid to do anything or say anything for fear that, Oh, no, he's changed his mind. He's gone again. Then that's, a terrifying way to live. It's no good.
5: And that's how I've lived for for the past year.
1: And so I would hope you would understand that you actually are in the driver's seat. Now, I know that you have one very young child. How old are the other two?
5: Seven, four, and she's almost one.
1: Okay. So obviously if you were to be left, then at your age with children that age, it would be a tough life. I get that. But when you tend to operate out of fear of what you're afraid is going to happen, you tend to not do the smart things. And so if you could get some confidence in yourself. So let me ask you a question. Are you a relatively okay. intelligent person?
5: I'm a nuclear engineer. I'm sorry? I'm a nuclear engineer.
1: <laughs> well, I, would, uh, I would say you're definitely an intelligent person then. And I'm assuming that, that uh, you're an attractive woman. Is that correct?
5: Yes. I work out all the time. I'm very fit. Yes.
1: Okay. What I'm saying, Samantha, is the ball is in your court. You're the one here. I mean, you're obviously very smart. You couldn't (laughs) be doing what you're doing. You take care of your body. Stop, if you are, if you are, stop thinking that you're going to wind up alone. Because a woman with your IQ, a woman with your education. I'm not thinking that I'm going to
5: wind up alone. I think that I'm going to wind up hurting my children. I cried during your intro when you said that that people um, affect their children negatively when they get divorced and that their children end up divorced. Now, all I want to do is what's right by my kids.
1: I admire that to the nth degree. At the same time, you can't make him do anything, right?
5: No, no. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Over the past year. Okay.
1: okay. I'm glad that you're not afraid of being alone. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So I can skip a whole section there and go to this you can ask and you can even demand that if we're going to do this for the sake of the kids, which is a great thing. I'm glad he's thinking in terms of the kids, then, then we do have to do some things that are going to help us. And whether that's coming to our workshop, dealing with a good counselor, whomever it might be, I realize he's saying nobody can help me. It's not going to change. I'm just going to be here. It's just going to be like this. The fact that he's saying that does not preclude you from being able to make some, requests and or demands that, no, I we're going to do some things. And he, this. Won't. Okay. he won't. Okay.
5: He just wants to live in our house and be involved okay. with the kids, but not Are treat you, me like a wife in any way, shape or form.
1: Okay. Are you okay with that?
5: No, <laughs> no, okay. it hurts.
1: Okay. I, I didn't think you were okay with that. I hear the pain in your voice. What we call a core, a continuing our relationship essential. Is when you say, okay, that's not going to happen. This is a criteria that's going to have to occur. This, this thing is going to have to be if you're going to continue to live in this house. And, and if you set a core, continue our relationship, be essential, and that's what it is. It's an essential. Then, then you'll have to have consequences if he refuses to comply with the core and and you really are in the driver's seat here you can say i don't want you here now i know i know you're concerned for the kids and i think that's admirable as all get out but but you cannot control what he does and if he's going to continue to live there and you be as miserable as you are then that's going to have a negative effect on the kids as well so either way right now if it stays just like it is negative effects on the kids if you divorce negative effects on the kids but there are things that you do, that you work at, that, okay, I'm going to try to offset those negative effects as much as I possibly can and by being the mother that's here, understanding, listening, caring, taking care of them. And if, even if he were living someplace else, that he still has some interaction with the kids. It's not ideal. It's not the best. But also, you can do a lot. Um, mm-hmm.
5: that's, that's, that's the problem. He's a pilot, and he's gone all the time. And he doesn't want to move out because he's afraid that if he does, he would never see them.
1: That's a possibility. So Samantha, if you, if you said a continuing our relationship essential, what I mean is you say, we're going going to see a counselor. We're going to go down there to, to Nashville. Since you're a pilot pilot, you probably could come down without having to pay airfare or something, but we're going to do this. And if, For example, you would decide you want to try us out. You can actually tell him it is a marriage workshop. That's what it is. But every principle, almost every principle in that workshop is also applicable to parenting. And so even if after the workshop you decide you don't want to stay here or you don't want to make this thing work, then we'll still at least both learn some really strong principles that will help us in the parenting. Now, it's not a parenting workshop. It's a marriage workshop. But those skills are there. Samantha, I hear your pain. I hurt for you. It just breaks my heart that you're in the pain that you're in. Thank you for loving your children. But I would strongly suggest that you consider requiring a core. Now, if you do that, then you're going to have to have a consequence if he refuses to do it. Otherwise, it has no value at all. Because if he just says, no, I'm not going to do that, then you're still in the same situation that you're in right now. And it sounds to me. And the consequences
5: that he moves out.
1: I can't tell you what the consequence should be, Uh, but that's one possible consequence. Yes. If you want to call our office and talk to one of our coaches, they can help you think that through uh, as though, you know, they won't give you the consequences. They'll just ask you questions and help you to think through the consequences, but you're not going to be, your life's going to be miserable until you do something, and I'm so, so sorry that you're hurting this much. We really would like to help. we really would our office number is eight six six nine zero three zero nine nine zero that's eight six six nine zero three zero nine nine zero and if you want to ask uh, for one of our client representatives, he or she, and if you prefer a woman because of your situation, just say you want to talk to one of our females and and they'll help you think this thing through. And my heart breaks for you. It really does, Samantha.
5: Thank
4: you.
1: All right. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Am I correct? We're out of time? Am I looking at this clock correctly?
4: Three minutes.
1: I have three minutes. Mm -hmm. Three minutes. Okay. I'm looking at these calls here, and I don't know anyone that I can answer in three minutes. Uh, I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try Indiana, and we're going to go to Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Mm How may I help you today? How are you?
7: Hi, Dr. Beam. I'm good, thanks. Um, I guess I have have a really short amount of time, so I'll just tell you I've been on and off in an affair for four and a half years.
5: Mm -hmm. I have done
7: your workshop, along with Mm -hmm. a lot of other attempts at uh, recovery support. I've tried Mm -hmm. 12-step programs. I've tried, um, we've done online courses. I moved out for a year. I'm now back home, and I'm just really stuck. I heard somebody call your show recently that said they've been in an affair for 15 years, and I just thought, oh my gosh, please don't let that be me. Um, yes. It was a lovely lady, but it just the reality of it. And then I hear people like mm-hmm. the woman that just called, and I think about, oh my gosh, what a schmuck I am, and how awful it is to be on the other side of me, and yet I still yeah. make these poor choices to go back. Right. And, um, right. I don't know. I just... I just want something to inspire me to get out of my ambivalent state.
1: And so this affair's been with the same person the entire time? It's not yeah. like a series of affairs, it's just one person, right?
0: No, no,
7: no. Only no? one after twenty after only one person after twenty three years of marriage. Four okay. four adult children.
1: Okay. And how long have you been involved with this person?
7: Four and a half years.
1: Okay, and are you of similar age? Are you similar to each other in age?
7: Um, He's about seven years older.
1: Okay, so that's still relatively close. And you're looking for some kind of inspiration Mm -hmm. to get out of it, right?
7: Looking for an inspiration to make a decision and no longer live this life of trying to live a a dual life.
1: Okay, I don't blame you for that. Not one bit. Uh, If I ask, are you a religious person?
7: I am, yeah, okay, I know I it ask. doesn't go along at all with my morals or values,
1: mhm, so uh, have you talked to a religious leader about this?
7: We haven't talked specifically, I'm Catholic, I have not talked to like one of our priests about it, but we have had mm-hmm. a lot of couples counseling and individual counseling, and they're all faith based.
1: Mhm, I understand that, and that's great. I don't know how religious I am supposed to be on a program like this. I'm trying to avoid not, I don't want to come across as some kind of religious fanatic, but I will say this. I do believe that that God sometimes will do things inside of people. And so sometimes the most courageous prayer you can pray is, I need to get over this. Will you please arrange the circumstances, situations to help me get out of this, to help me stop it? I do believe that God works like this. I don't think that God actually makes people do things because I, I'm, I'm one of these people who believes in free will. God lets us make our choices. And so I don't pray yeah. God take this desire out of me because God said, well, you got to make your own choices. But I will pray and do pray. God, arrange the circumstances, arrange the situations, put the right people around me, whatever it needs to be. But God, would you do something to intervene so that I can make this decision and can keep up with it. In other words, not only make this decision but actually live by it. And if you pray that diligently and vividly, and indeed you are a person of faith, I think God does yeah. answer those kinds of prayers. I really do.
7: Yeah, I agree. I've been praying that prayer for a long time. I guess he just wasn't ready to intervene yet.
1: <laughs> well maybe or or maybe he has. And there's a difference between yeah. the time when you make the prayer and the time when the answers come by. I I experienced that back many years ago when I was having the affair that ended my marriage way back years ago. Alice and I eventually remarried, but I would pray for those kinds of help. And then I'm quite sure God sent them. But whenever the answers would come, I was so involved in the emotions of what I was doing that I didn't see them. And years later, looking back, I could see how many things did happen. And so it may not be that God's waiting for a different time. It could be possible, Suzanne. That he is sending those answers, but because of where you're emotionally, you're not seeing them right now. That's a possibility. Makes okay. sense. All right. Thank you, mm-hmm. my friend. And so what we're going to do now is we, uh, we're over time. It's going to end this program. I apologize that I stumbled around and my tongue got so tangled at the beginning of the program. I'll try not to have that problem next week, but who knows? And so if you will, join us on Marriage Helper. Uh, do that by going to YouTube.com slash Marriage Helper, and you there can see over a 100 different videos we have there. Uh, also, if you wish, you can subscribe. And if you subscribe there, then you'll know when the new videos are coming out. And if you click that little bell down there, then you'll actually get a notification whenever new things come on. It's not just this program. We do a lot of videos. For example, Jim Porto, who works with us, is going to be doing a short video this afternoon. Actually, that's not for YouTube, is it? It's a video for our, saw another situation, but we do a lot of videos every week and we would love to help you any way we can. Call our office at 866 903 Thank you.